Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, what would a world be like without plagiarism? I'd like to see that. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. Hi, America. (laughs) Hello, world. My name is Adrian Lee, and I'm your host. Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming, and I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. So without any further ado, let us introduce tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and ethervescent Heather Morris. She's been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society, and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather was told by a specialist this week that she had a tension def... Oh, is that a new blouse you're wearing? I really like that. <laughs> it suits you. Looks very nice on you. Welcome to the show, Heather. Hello. We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim lost her first job giving out samples at the local grocery store after the little cups of bleach incident. Welcome to the show, Kim. (laughs) Hello. Finally on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is also a producer and sound mixer. Greg quit his first job at the helium gas factory. He refused to be spoken to in that tone. <laughs> 
<laughs> Welcome to the show, Greg. <laughs> we are Series 2, Episode 55. 55 is a fabulous number. Did you know 55 is the sum of the consecutive numbers from 1 through to 10? That's nope. totally remarkable. Took me weeks to work that out. If you dialed the international code of 55, you would be connected to Brazil. Brazil, of course, are holding the Olympic Games shortly. The city of Rio wanted a brand new stadium, so a German company put in a bid for $30 million. They thought that was too much, so they asked an American company next, who quoted $60 million. This was still too much, so they finally asked a local Brazilian company, and they quoted $90 million. When asked why so much, they replied, 30 million for you, 30 million for us, and 30 million for the Germans. The highest speed limit allowed in the United States between 1974 and 1986 was 55 miles an hour. Heather drives like lightning, of course, not because she's fast, but because she hits a lot of trees. Oh. It is Friday. That's not true. The, it just stepped out in front of you, didn't it? <laughs> it is Friday, the 1st of April. It's April's Fool's Day. April the 1st. I was thinking of playing a cruel practical joke tonight by informing our listeners that we were going to have a fun and informative week. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? The Romans and Hindus celebrated New Year's Day around April the 1st. April Fool's Day is observed throughout the Western world. Practices include sending someone on a fool's errand and by looking for things that don't exist. The French, what do the French call April the 1st? Any ideas? Anyone want to jump in and have a stab at this? I have no idea. They call today Poisson d'Avril. What about a croissant? Croissant d'Avril. Does anyone know what Poisson d'Avril stands for? No. It means April Fish Day. French children tape a picture of a fish on the back of their schoolmates, crying Poisson d'Avril when the prank is discovered. The French are a very odd and strange bunch, aren't they? How bizarre. The French, of course, have a very famous ghost in Charles de Gaulle. <laughs> I love this show. And anyone falling in the river, of course, is declared insane. I have many fabulous facts. I'm here all week. Great. I have many fabulous facts. There are points to be won straight off the bat for April the 1st. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go around the table. The earliest known mention of April Fool's Day is, I'm looking for a year. Heather, give me a year. The earliest known mention of April Fool's Day. 1836. 1836. Kim. 1764. 1764. Greg Elope. 1569. Greg is the closest. It's 13. <laughs> 1392 in the book Canterbury, Canterbury Tales by Geoffrey Chaucer. You may remember the character Geoffrey Chaucer was in A Knight's Tale. Do you remember that with Heath Ledger? He was the poet. Oh, yeah, he was yeah. the guy that, gotcha. you know, had all the words. He was the wordsmith. That character was Geoffrey Chaucer. But he mentioned the first mention of April Fool's Day. I'm sure they had it before that. It's the first documentation, 1392. What percentage of workers say they have played or have been on the receiving end of an April Fool's prank? What 75. 75, Kim. 60. 60. 69. 69. Kim has gained herself a point. It's only 32%, would you believe? I don't believe that. It's I've played true. plenty. Well, you are part of that 32% <laughs> then, aren't you? Just ask Scott. 
On April the 1st, <laughs> night, poor man. On April the 1st, 1945, a powerful tsunami killed many unsuspecting people as the whole population of a Pacific island ignored the weather warning, thinking it was a prank. If you're going to do a weather warning, make sure it's oh. not on April the 1st. In the late 1980s, a British TV show ran a hoax about a device named Chippy. It was a new Walkman that could hold hundreds of songs on a microchip. No one's laughing now, right? No. Nope. Unbelievable. In 1998, Burger King published a full-page advertisement in USA Today, introducing the newest menu item, the left-handed Whopper. <laughs> but, but as we all know, ladies, if you have a Whopper, you need both hands. God. <laughs> what percentage of bosses think pranks are acceptable in the workplace? Think they're acceptable. Happy to see them take place. What percentage of bosses? 50. 50. 26. 26. 12. Greg's right, and he's been cheating because he's looking at my notes. Only 3% of bosses think that jokes are acceptable in the workplace. And how April. do you feel about that? I think that's a terrible thing. I think, <laughs> I think jokes and hilarity should be removed from the workplace in all shapes and uh. forms as you know i love to read out our mailbox every week i'm happy to dedicate a minute or two just to reading out all the fabulous things we get posted on our facebook walls and in our email cynthia from arkansas has posted on facebook she says love you heather you should win every game especially the last one just saying yay cynthia unfortunately cynthia you are in fact wrong <laughs> Carrie <laughs> in Ohio has written, what a great idea for a show. I will be listening to the archives. Mary in Minnesota posted an hour after last week's show, still giggling. I think Aww. that was when Heather kicked me in the shin live on air. John, <laughs> still got a bruise. John on our more questions and answers Facebook site has written today. This is the first time hearing your show. I love it. It's just so funny. And you make me think. Thank you for the fun. And Martin in New York has said, listen to the archive shows today. Heather is an interesting way to take her blood pressure in Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's been thinking about that all week. And if you go on YouTube, I'm sure there's a video out there called The People of Walmart where you will, in fact, oh, great. see Heather flailing around with just a bra on in an unfortunate incident <laughs> that happened with the blood machine. pressure machine. <laughs> Two men died, unfortunately, during that particular encounter. I will mention as well, a couple of weeks ago, I did a fabulous interview. Not many people interview me about my ghost hunting and about my psychic skills. So if you want to hear a fabulous interview where I was interviewed by a gentleman called Blake Fletcher, it's called The Half Hour Intern. And uh, it's called The Paranormal Psychic. It's episode 82. If you go to our Facebook wall, I have posted a link on there. But you're looking for the half hour intern and the episode Paranormal Psychic. That was a great, great interview. And many thanks to Blake for doing that. As always, we have our Facebook site, More Questions and Answers, with Adrian Lee, where all of tonight's stories are there for you in glorious technical, all of the photographs, all of the video footage, and many, many things we can't include on the show. Our archives are on soundcloud.com. That's just one platform. If you go to MQTA Radio, well, you will see our shows over the last two to three years on there and you can access those any time of the day or night you can listen to them in the car or walking the dog or in the gym of course we have a twitter account adrian underscore lee 
underscore tips that's t-i-p-s for the international paranormal society we have 78 and a half thousand followers on there and we do have some outtakes on youtube again if you go to mqta radio with adrian lee everything is there for you and of course i want to remind you that i have a book out called mysterious minnesota digging up the ghostly past at 13 haunted sites who knew that a book about ghosts and poltergeists would be flying off the shelves <laughs> i love this show we're gonna jump straight into round one greg is on two kim is on one and myself and heather are yet to score this is the round that we call ghosts and hauntings bone chilling presence in wedding photo at a haunted hotel a photographer documented a wedding day and revealed the chilling presence in a snap from an apparently haunted hotel blocking the view of the bride a long-haired black figure is seen staring towards the happy couple yet nobody was there when the picture was taken leaving no explanation for the sinister presence this reminds me if one of the couple had a previous girlfriend or boyfriend or they were married before and they unfortunately were deceased, you can imagine the previous wife deceased standing there in spirit, can't you, giving them daggers, just <laughs> staring at them. Do you remember the film The Man with Two Brains? Do you remember that with Steve Martin? And he's standing there and he says to his wife in spirit, if there's any reason why I shouldn't be dating or seeing this woman, can you just give me a sign? And then everything just goes mad. The picture on the wall goes flying around and everything happens. And he's says just a sign just give me a sign anything and everything in the mood is moving around in that room is complete madness but this is what that reminds me of it says there was no one at the wedding with long brown hair like this the photo was snapped in the lobby of the hotel boulderado a historic building in boulder colorado some say the hotel is haunted with the website colorado paranormal describing a number of bone chilling encounters Investigator Richard E. Stepp was told of a woman in a white dress walking the upper corridors and of pots and pans moving unaided in the kitchen. Well, of course, wedding dresses are white to match the kitchen appliances. Right, Greg? Right. <laughs> <laughs> My ex-wife dressed to kill and uh, she cooked the same way, unfortunately. <laughs> Hume, there'll be letters. Human-shaped figures and strange voices were reported in rooms 302 and 304. One of them was apparently the site of a messy suicide bid in 1924. Skeptical Reddit users said the most likely explanation for the figure was a brown-haired woman standing up as the panoramic shot was taken. But the hotel worker who uploaded it said the photographer claims the only person in front of them was a man with short hair. They also said there was no one at the wedding with long brown hair like this. Perhaps it was the ghost of her Friday nights out with her girlfriends. Rest in peace. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? I'm staying in Colorado. Yay. Yay. Everything's happening in Colorado and tonight. And a hotel and a pretty famous one, I Another ghostly spooky hotel yeah colorado's famously haunted stanley hotel suspends paranormal investigations have you heard about this you guys i did see something like this on facebook this week yeah it served as inspiration for stephen king's the shining and has long been considered one of the most haunted buildings in the world but in a surprising move colorado's stanley hotel has told event organizers that it is suspending all paranormal investigations and ghost hunting events as it moves into the busy summer months. 
Nightly ghost walks will continue as usual, but the future of actual paranormal investigations at the Stanley Hotel remains uncertain. If you're a ghost hunter, you better earn your Stanley Hotel badge in the next two weeks. This is, of course, where Stephen King wrote about The Shining. Right. This is where he turned up and the hotel was so haunted. This was his inspiration. Yep. The Jack Nicholson film, if you recall. Yep. Because in April... The paranormal investigations at the legendary haunted location will officially come to an end for the foreseeable future. It is a decision that has hardcore paranormal enthusiasts making plans for one last trip down the hotel's winding corridors in search of restless spirits. I like the way psychics have stopped this from happening due to unforeseen circumstances. (laughs) (laughs) Earlier this morning, the hotel's official ghost hunting guides headed up by Ghost Hunters Academy's Carl Pfeiffer posted the following announcement to their Facebook page. It saddens us to share this with you, but this week the Stanley Hotel made the executive decision to cease all paranormal related events and activities, including our public ghost hunts. We understand this to be part of a long-term strategy to separate the hotel from its associations with the supernatural and to focus more on the history which is really too bad. I think that was actually a big moneymaker for them as well. The thing is, there's a very fine line because I've investigated many, many hotels and some of them are in my books where they want to promote the paranormal because in the winter months, no one's there. No one's going to these hotels. So they can only stay afloat by advertising the paranormal events. But a lot of people are now refusing to stay in the hotel because it's got a reputation of being haunted. I know. And there's places like the Chase on the Lake Resort in Walker where they embrace the idea of it being haunted. We run events up there twice a year and they're very well attended. And we the place is very haunted, incredibly haunted. But they don't make it very overt. You have to ask about it. And right. they even tell the staff. They have staff meetings where they say if anyone asks about the paranormal stuff, you can tell them. But you don't just come out and say it. If people ask, guests ask, you can tell them all about it. But they don't make it overt. They don't advertise themselves as being right. haunted. So I do actually think that's a good example of where they can stand in both camps. But there's a very fine line in the sand one of the right. things that needs to be considered of course is a lot of the paranormal investigators that stay there then eat in the town they visit the local town they go to the bars it's the infrastructure of all those teams coming in from around america that are going to that hotel and i'm wondering if the town is going to see a downturn in terms of its economic recovery in terms right. of gaining money it doesn't say you can't investigate it it just says the events are no longer planned there's right. nothing stopping you from getting a room and sitting in your room with a dvr and a k2 meter they're just not doing planned events anymore well, well and i don't think that the stanley hotel is going to be able to live in both camps they are so well re- renowned everywhere in the world i'm pretty sure that yeah. they're not going to be able to get by with doing that Everybody knows. It it goes on to say that they are going to be doing nightly ghost walks and they'll also be doing daily history tours. So they're still going to continue with those. They're just not going to have the big events that take all weekend. Sure. So they must be very successful at the moment if they can do without those because they've got weddings and other events planned. When we've done investigations and weekends at the St. James Hotel in Red Wing, for example, there have been three or four weddings going on in the building at the same time as we've been investigating. So I know you can marry the two together, perhaps. It's a very strange combination of ghost hunters sat in the dark quietly with a K2 meter and a DVR and then a drunken wedding party next door. Yeah, they've danced with our big ghost, Colin. They have. 
there's been well colin's a big inflatable ghost <laughs> that we carry around with us he's like seven eight foot high he's an ornament that you'd put in the garden <laughs> during halloween but we do bring him inside he gets more facebook selfies than we do <laughs> Yes, it's disappointing. I spend hours and hours prepping a show and a big inflatable ghost called Colin gets more fan mail than me. How's this even possible? He should have his own Facebook page. We might have to set that up. He's certainly more full of hot air than I am. I I wouldn't go that far. Controversial. (laughs) Heather's on minus two. And I don't care what you say, Cynthia. That was definitely a minus two. (laughs) I have a story that says world's most haunted house. Mark 666th anniversary this year loftus hall in europe is ranked amongst one of the spookiest places ever among paranormal investigators and this year could be one of its most chilling yet the once stately home located on the hook peninsula in wexford island was built in 1350 666 years ago and that number is better known as the number of the beast the mansion opened its doors to brave members of the public for the first time in 2012. Just two years later, visitor Thomas Beavis, 21 from Lewisham, made headlines after taking a photo of the house. He looked back at the photos and noticed what appeared to be two female ghosts lurking on the grounds. This was the ghostly girls' night out, no less. They are believed to be the spirit of a young Anne Tottenham and the face of an elderly lady at the window. Tours are based on the tale of Little Anne and a visitor whose body went through the roof and left a hole in the ceiling which is still visible. Anne was left terrified and was put in the tapestry room, but she stayed there in complete silence until her death in 1775. Owner Adrian Quigley has unveiled events to celebrate the hall's 666th anniversary. He said we were determined to make the hall's 666th year rather special with a broad appeal to people of all ages and interest. How is a 666 celebration going to appeal to all ages and interests? Mm. First, we're going to have a satanic bake sale. Then we're going to pin the tail on the demonic entity for the kids. And we're going to finish with a Ouija board session for the church ladies. Yay. Everybody's happy. (laughs) Points in abundance. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? A terrifying ghost photo captured at Texas Fort Worth Museum. If you're trying to stave off sleep, I've got the perfect picture to guarantee you'll be up at 2 a.m. A creepy as hell photo taken at Texas's Fort Worth Museum of Science and History might take the cake for one of the creepiest potential ghost photos of all time. The image was snapped during an afternoon trip to FWM for a bit of fun. Unfortunately, what we photographed lurking around in the background was anything but. What appears to be a, well, let's be honest, a hideously disfigured old woman covered in soiled shroud is lurking around in the children's section of the museum. What was my mom doing there? Ooh! Oh, <laughs> yeah! Wow. That'll be edited out. <laughs> Surrounded by happy kids playing with no regard to the spooky sight near them. I've never seen your mother wear a shroud, though. <laughs> It's a Texas shroud. <laughs> the old hag's arms are severely distorted. See, you're feeling bad now, aren't you? The further this goes Not on. really. No. <laughs> she appears to be standing inside a child-sized grocery cart, and that's not even the weirdest part. The photographer who submitted the image to Reddit under the name Kramer is Crunk has absolutely no memory of anything remotely resembling a terrifying old lady standing in the background of his photo. 
Obviously, plenty of people jumped in with their two cents. A museum employee who explained that a handful of security guards have had strange experiences like things being moved, particularly when the FWM hosted their Titanic exhibit. Nothing else is known about the image, the possible ghost, or whether or not the Fort Worth Museum has a longer history of paranormal occurrences, especially in the children's section. Regardless, you can't deny that the image is pretty strange. There's so many artifacts in a museum that anything could be attached to anything. There must be thousands and thousands of exhibits and artifacts from hundreds and hundreds of years ago. It must be a whole collection of ghosts and spirits. Must plethora. Be a plethora, a cornucopia, a horn of plenty <laughs> of spirits and poltergeist activity in Texas. And none of them look like your mother. There we go. <laughs> Kim, I shall give you points. You are now on a resplendent and rounded three. I have a story that says ghost cities spotted in the clouds as a parallel universe emerges. Gorping crowds caught the bizarre natural phenomenon on camera and watched in awe as towering skyscrapers seemed to appear in the clouds. The ghost-like buildings dominate the skies for minutes on Thursday in Dalian, China. This was in The Empire Strikes Back, wasn't it? I think so. Lando Calrissian, he was in a sky yes. city, wasn't he? And Flash Gordon as well, I believe. Only Professor Hans Zarkov, formerly of NASA, has provided any explanation. The stunning footage shows the spooky structures appearing in smog above a lake. But whether experts said what happened can be explained by an optical illusion called Fata Morgana. That's a Cuban baseball player, apparently, for the Cubs. <laughs> it can be seen on land or sea. Look at me like I know stuff, right? It can be seen on land or sea and involves the distortion and inversion of distant objects such as Boats. These are the boats in shapes of buildings, apparently, in yeah. China. The conspiracy theorists suggest the otherworldly happenings might have been part of the Blue Beam Project by NASA to dupe the world into following a new religion. This would happen by fooling the world into believing an alien invasion is underway, making people give up their gods and accept the new faith. Or it just could be a weather phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Spectacular photos of the huge mushroom cloud quickly went viral and panicked Russians were all rushed to try and eat it, apparently. Rough times in Russia. <laughs> Heather, what have you got for me tonight? Finally in the round of ghosts and hauntings, you're currently on minus two. I've got a message from the dead. Man shares recording of creepy voicemail traced to Hawaiian funeral home. Ooh, it's creepy. It's safe to say that getting a phone call at five o'clock in the morning is never a good thing. Now imagine that call is coming from a funeral home and you can't understand the ghostly words being shared. That's what happened to one man who reviewed his voicemail messages after an early morning ring from a mystery number. Saying he was freaked out would be an understatement. And when you listen to the audio yourself, you'll understand why. His phone rang at 4.50 a.m. from an unknown number, so, like most of us would, he let it go to voicemail. However, once he reviewed the bizarre message several hours later, he knew something much weirder was going on. Not only was the number no longer in service, after a bit of Google-foo, he discovered that the mysterious phone message belonged to a funeral home in Hawaii. This would make a really good book. If you get a phone call in the middle of the night and it's a strange little girl's <laughs> voice and you trace it to a funeral home that's been I derelict. Know, right? I know. And then you can trace the little girl. This is a great book out there. Fabulous There idea. you go. I'll give you the story after this. Uh, the message left behind is a strange jumble of static, 
unidentifiable sounds, and various voices all layered one on top of one another. It's pretty much impossible to decipher even for quite a few of the audio experts who tried to lend a hand unscrambling the eerie recording. This, coupled with the fact that the poster claimed to have had a pretty bad bout of sleep paralysis the night before, upped the creep factor big time. Creepy. 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 Wow. Scatty. So what was you going to say about your story? That's it. Yeah, I'm done. Oh, you're done, are you? <laughs> I was waiting for the money shot. Nothing happened. <laughs> wow. That brings to the conclusion the round of ghosts and hauntings. Greg is on two. I am on four. Heather has moved up to zero. And Kim is on three. As we sprint through the cornfield with our laser pen in our hand and the drum in the other in the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology, it's green men and hairy Beasties. I will start with a story that says Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers was a recent guest on the You Made It Weird podcast with Pete Holmes, and he somehow ended up describing the time he apparently saw an alien spacecraft in the night sky over New Jersey. How do you say New Jersey again, Kim? New Jersey. New Jersey. Rogers says the incident happened in 2005 and that his former teammate Steve Levy saw it too. Here's how he described the UFO. It was a large orange left to right moving object. Because of the overcast nature of the night and the snow, you couldn't make out. It was a kind of being in the clouds that we were seeing. But it was definitely large, moving from left to right. It was me, Steve, and his brother that saw it. And he goes out of sight, and we look at each other and go, what the F was that? Rogers goes on to say that shortly after seeing the alleged UFO, he heard what sounded like fighter jets patrolling the skies, and that he heard a siren from a nearby nuclear power plant just before the sighting these are apparently common threads that tie together a lot of sightings rogers definitely wasn't joking around and clearly believes he saw something out of the ordinary that night i saw this orange and yellow ball going from right to left and then from left to right in the sky and this kept happening for minutes and then i said what the f and then it just stopped and then it started again and i saw two men wearing white with a large racket in each of their hands and there was this net thing in the middle and there were strange vertical and horizontal lines on the floor and i think it was an alien landing strip (laughs) just watching the tennis i'm guessing heather what have you got for me tonight in the round of ufos and cryptozoology i have some thieves thieves Thieves. stealing artifacts ufo artifacts they're stealing flying saucers from roswell what would you do put one in your pocket keep them occupied i'll stick it in my pocket the model craft was loaded onto a truck by thieves last Saturday before being dumped in nearby woods. You can't get near this place, can you? <laughs> I mean, I'm just there's like minefields and there's security cameras and not where this one was. Oh. No, <laughs> the saucer, which was once embedded in the exterior wall of the International UFO Museum and Research Center, was stolen last week, not long after being repaired following a storm. Do you think a female alien? park there 
(laughs) Surveillance camera footage showed the craft being loaded onto the truck by three men. When New Mexico authorities finally found the model, it turned out that the perpetrators had broken it into pieces and left it dumped in the middle of nowhere. Poor alien. When they realized it wasn't a real one, you mean? I think so. (laughs) It's only plywood. We've been duped. I know. How are the aliens managing to fly this stuff around? It's made out of plasterboard. (laughs) They were trying to get intelligence from the UFO. It didn't happen. No, it didn't. We're sad. They're going to reverse engineer (laughs) <laughs> plasterboard and plywood is That's where we right. are. We're sad. We thought maybe we would get it back in one piece, but it doesn't look like it. It's in several pieces, said the museum's interim director, Karen Jarmelio. It still isn't clear who the thieves were or what they were hoping to achieve by stealing the model. On the plus side, the museum is planning to replace the saucer with a new one in the near future. Do you think there was alcohol involved? Yes, I'm Do you think sure the there was. Smallest, <laughs> smallest three guys driving along, UFO wedged in a wall. Let's take that. There you go. <laughs> Normally, it's a police bollard or a cone out of the road, isn't it? That you put on your head like a wizard and you pretend you're Bob Geldof. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Lord of the Rings. I know what goes on. <laughs> I have a story that says eerie footage captures floating bright UFO in the sky above Las Vegas before appearing to land. This intriguing footage clearly shows a bright orb like UFO hovering in the dusk sky over a residential area. The object is first seen high above a mountain before slowly starting to descend down towards the ground below. The cameraman explains that he first noticed extraordinarily bright object further up in the sky before realising that it was moving down towards the neighbourhood. He adds that the orb seemed to dim gradually as it approached the ground before appearing to land just a few miles from the houses in Las Vegas. Describing the phenomenon, he said, this is also the same mountain that shows up in many of the videos of UFOs just above a rooftop of a building near my home. This time I saw where the UFO came from and caught it in the air just before it began to descend and eventually land. As it was descending, the lights went out, but the moonlight was strong enough to where I could see it in the camera lens. It lurked in the darkness at the base of the mountain and eventually showed itself again briefly. So the craft descends slowly. The interior lights went out and it appeared to make a controlled landing in the distance close to where an airport was. (laughs) Any ideas on that mystery? Any ideas what we think this might be? Helicopter? Helicopter. Our friend Scott, team leader up in Duluth, air traffic controller, said that this was an aircraft on a descent flight coming down. It all makes Mm -hmm. sense, doesn't it? But if you wish to see that video for yourself and think to yourself, is that a UFO or an aircraft descending (laughs) into an airport, you can watch that for yourself and comment on our Facebook site, More Questions and Answers, with adrian lee kim what have you got for me tonight in the round of ufos and cryptozoology there's a prehistoric unicorn that lived alongside humans i like the sound of that this is where all these legends come from somewhere don't they they do a large horned beast known as the siberian unicorn could be the origin of the modern unicorn legend the siberian unicorn i like Mm -hmm. the sound of that The, the legend of unicorns of course is they live forever This is why in the film Blade Runner with Harrison Ford, directed by Ridley Scott in 1982, he has dreams about a unicorn because that film obviously revolves around him dying and the robots dying as well. So you dream he dreamt of the unicorn. So this was the special thing that they had. The skill a unicorn had was to live forever. 
Unless, of course, you shoot it, in which case it's dead at that point. <laughs> Almost wish I knew him. Originally, <laughs> thought to have died about 350,000 years ago, the Alasmatherium cybercom. Nicely done. It would have been a sight to behold, a horned behemoth standing six foot tall and measuring up to 15 feet in length. Now, scientists have found new evidence to suggest that this unicorn-like creature may have actually survived until as recently as 26,000 years ago. This is a land creature, I'm guessing. This Mm -hmm. isn't something out of the sea, is it? Yep. Uh, Meaning that it would have lived alongside modern humans for many thousands of years. The discovery was made after fossil fragments were unearthed in Kazakhstan, where an isolated population was thought to have survived long after the species had gone extinct everywhere else. Is that where Borat was from? Kazakhstan. It's a nice, it's a sexy time. You <laughs> just lo- I like. <laughs> Many researchers believe that early findings of fossil elasmotheriums may have been the origin of the mythical unicorn, a theory seemingly backed up by early paleontologists who had heard stories from the Tatars of Siberia out of about a unicorn with a horn so large that it needed a sledge to move it. Wow. Any comment, Greg? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a horn so large they needed a sledge to move it. Well. You have to think, though, when they dug up bones back in the day of dinosaurs, this is where the legend of dragons came from. I love paleontology so much. When I was a kid, I slept with a dinosaur bone. I was very happy. It was an Allosaurus. I got given this. I was very happy with it. I slept with a dinosaur bone. It's true, I tell you. Don't look at me as if I'm odd. I used to love dinosaurs as a kid. What did your psychologist tell you about that? Um... <laughs> <laughs> He told me I was a paranoid schizophrenic. He never actually said that, but we knew that's what he was thinking. (laughs) Whether the legends really did originate with these remarkable beasts, however, remains unclear. But what is known is that these were very real creatures and that as the global climate changed, they were driven into smaller and smaller areas until they eventually disappeared entirely. Understanding of the past allows us to make more accurate predictions about natural processes in the near future, said Dr. Andrei Shaponsky. It also concerns climate change. I love the fact that unicorns once existed in Kazakhstan. That's a joy, isn't it? <laughs> I can imagine them leaping around with little rainbows. It's a joy and a little feel. Farting rainbows. Farting <laughs> dust and glitter is where we are. Fantastic news. Heather, bring up the last story of the night in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology. I have a help wanted story. Help wanted. Yep. Is it a job I can apply for? Absolutely. Fantastic. <laughs> Let me put me details down. Hang okay. on, I'll start right. Are you getting ready? Yeah, I've got my resume ready. New here. Hampshire tourist attraction seeks new Wolfman. Wow. Yeah, I used welcome. to be a I used to be a Wolfman, but I'm all right now. <laughs> <laughs> a roadside tourist attraction in New Hampshire is seeking a disheveled looking man. Oh well, right now, steady on, madam. Wow, I mean, I've not shaved for a couple of days, but I, I wouldn't push it as far as disheveled. The trouble with being a wolf man is I can't get anywhere quickly because I can't pass the lamppost. Wow. <laughs> Oh, Clark's Trading Post and Lincoln posted a wanted ad on their Facebook page seeking men with wild facial hair. What's that? flair for the dramatic. <laughs> How dare you? That's the worst thing you've ever said to me. I'm removing your points. I don't care how many letters Cynthia sends me. This is an outrage. <laughs> On the exterior, Wolfman must be scruffy and unkillable. Oh, what the? Wow! <laughs> <laughs> but he must be outgoing and a good with people. I'm, yeah. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> 
Anything you'd like me to help you with, madam? They need to just take a whole bunch of applications to that Minnesota beard contest they have every winter. There you go. Chasing trains from the Woodland Territory and acting crazy and getting paid for it were also outlined as part of the job description for the popular character. Do you have to be able to lick yourself? Is this something? Oh, good Lord. According to the Wolfman's lore, he chases trains to protect his mine and fears heights and water, which prevents him from bathing. Hang on. What? (laughs) I can't even work out whether this is sexist or racist. His role was created to add excitement to the train ride and entertain children who are instructed to yell, scram, you old goat. Only only 3% of bosses said it was okay to tell jokes in the workplace on April Fool's. Well... You have to hurry up because open auditions will be held for the position on April 9th. I've got to get my finger out. I need to look more disheveled, I guess. We're looking for someone that has a bit of a theatrical background. No, that's not me. I'm I'm very quiet. even if they haven't done acting before, that they can be theatrical. It's old man Withers from the amusement <laughs> This sounds it's, like an episode of Scooby Doo. It's important. It's a wolf man who's protecting a mine. This is Scooby Doo. Well, it's important that they stay in character, is what she's saying. You oh. have to stay in character. The park's original wolf man, Leon Noel, will also present to the judge applicants. He stressed importance of nailing the wolf man look as well as having a passion for entertaining the children. The actor chosen for the position will work five days a week from Memorial Day weekend through Columbus Day and will perform at least six times a day. So you've got to be disheveled. You want me to go through the qualifications Yes, you've got to have some sort of beard. If you act like Adrian, you can apply. Fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) Heather has scored a resounding minus nine. (laughs) That concludes the round of... See where we are. Why am I here? This concludes the round of UFOs and cryptozoology. We move into the round now, which is the strange and the bizarre, because nothing so far has been strange and bizarre. These are the stories from around the world that didn't fit into the first two categories, but are too good not to read out live on air. I have a story that says moronic selfie taker risks life balancing precariously on top of a 15th century haunted castle. The man named locally as Stanley was captured scaling the ruined five-story round tower of Strathaven Castle on Sunday. Lauren Kate posted the heart-stopping image on the Strathaven Facebook page saying some guy taking selfies is up the castle. Locals were quick to slam the dangerous stunt as moronic and nuts, but one user defended the mysterious climber, saying, We talked to him, and he says he climbs lots of things. He climbed a crane last week. The historic 15th century landmark in the centre of the market town is built on a rocky, partially artificial mound. When part of the castle walls collapsed in the middle of the 19th century, a human skeleton was supposedly Found. This is a gentleman who tried to scale the tower 200 years ago to take an engraving of himself, no doubt, and fell, which came as a shock because he climbed a medieval siege tower the previous week. <laughs> According to local legend, I have no evidence to back that up. According to local legend, the castle is home to the ghost of the White Lady, a woman killed by a tennis ball during her wedding photos, more than likely. <laughs> Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and the bazaar love is in the armpit at new york smell dating 
Love, exciting, and you. I know, right? Armpit dating. Armpit dating. Does that not intrigue you? Sign me up. Go on. All right. Love at first whiff is the idea behind Smell Dating, a New York matchmaking service that promises to help single people sniff out their perfect match by breathing in the odors from dirty T-shirts. Oh, my. Mm. Get a sniff, sweetheart. I've been digging in the field all day. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Several things flew off the table and went up your nose. (laughs) I know. Each of its first 100 clients received a T-shirt to wear for three days straight without bathing. The clients then mailed the T-shirts back to Brian and Levine's sweatshop. Brian! (laughs) Brian! Uh, In uh, NYU, where they were cut into swatches. Smell Dating then sent batches of 10 mixed swatches back to the clients to sniff this week. You'd have to keep them separate. They've got to be in baggies. Yes, they are. You can't put them all. Someone's made a quilt. This is a quilt for someone, isn't it? I can see Kim's mother sat. (laughs) <laughs> stitching all these together and stitching making a smelly quilt together yes Great. of man gravy yes uh, well it was supposed to be women gravy too oh really yes it's men and women i didn't here. realize that women sweated i thought they just glowed they this just is news glow. to me yeah a match will be made if one client likes the scent of another and the olfactory attraction is mutual i've always liked anchovies <laughs> in other words if client 55 likes client 69 well, the voice and vice versa. What's wow? We're doing our own sound effects now, are we? <laughs> put a heart around it, Brian said. Oh, that's nice. She put a heart around the one you want because yeah. it's got a hint of garlic and a bit of engine oil about it. Yeah, the, the I- smell of leather, cut grass, and engine oil is very alluring. I think. Oh, wow. I know. I don't understand <laughs> why people like Paco Rabanne or Amani or Ralph Lauren don't do scents that people actually want. It's the smell of bike oil and creosote. It's well, the smell of And don't forget the stories we did on the smells of cats. There we go, yes. Cat paws. Oh, I want my women to smell of cat paws. Oh, no. The idea is based on the science of pheromones, the chemical signals that creatures from gerbils to giraffes send out to entice mates. I'm she, not trying to attract a gerbil or a giraffe. I was going to say, so you send this off and you end up with a giraffe. <laughs> That's been wearing a T-shirt for <laughs> three days straight. <laughs> wow. There'd be plenty of necking, though, wouldn't there? Oh, clients who pay Would a- you prefer a gerbil or a giraffe on a date? <laughs> I'm just saying, the gerbil doesn't take up much room. It's not going to eat a great deal. And we can flush it if we need to. this date's gone right down the toilet i can just see pushing a giraffe down the toilet with a plunger go down will you can you imagine the plumber arriving because you've blocked the sewage system and there's a giraffe sat there with his head poking out the bowl saying i didn't know what happened i don't remember eating that (laughs) clients who pay a one-time fee of 25 bucks Dive in nose first, unaware of potential smell mates, age, gender, or sexual orientation. Most normal dating services, you rely on profile pictures, assumptions that come from visual information, Brian said. Giraffes do have long eyelashes. Yeah, they do. They're quite cute. They are. Mm. They've got long tongues as well (laughs) to get to those leaves. Wow. Very raspy. Uh They're getting everywhere. You either really like the smell of someone or you don't. This is much more innate. So let me tell you a little bit about Mr. Donaldson from Brooklyn. What does he, he smell like? He tore into the first plastic bag, removed the swatch, and sniffed. Ah, fresh done laundry, he said. 
He opened another one and inhaled and said, oh, that is nutty. I'm just nutty. going to seal that back up. <laughs> well, it's a woman working at a nut factory. She works for planters. Then he brought... It's Jimmy Carter's daughter. <laughs> then he brought yet another swatch to his nostrils. What if you're allergic to nuts? You could come out in an anaphylactic shock just by sniffing someone's T-shirt. Oh. He could be dead. <laughs> he brought out another swatch to his nostrils, nodded and said, Oh, he savored the second whiff and added, That's my match. Oh, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one. Uh. That's my special boy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what Smell she looks dating. like. I Yay. think somebody should do that. If it smelled of nuts, that wasn't a squirrel, was it, by any chance? <laughs> it could have been. Come on, you sat there at a restaurant. Squirrel dating. Squirrel, squirrel smell dating. I'm not sniffing squirrels. I draw the line. That's just sick. <laughs> <laughs> Why do squirrels always smell of popcorn? <laughs> No? Okay. Okay. (laughs) I have a story that says, was there a ghost on the TV show this morning? Hosts appear to be visited by spirit in a creepy clip. They were discussing people getting messages from beyond the grave after losing a loved one. The famous magician Paul Daniels died last week and a message from the magician from beyond the grave was suggested to be a meteor storm. If you got a message from beyond the grave by a famous magician, wouldn't that just be like stuff disappearing? Where have my keys gone? Where's my checkbook? Has anyone seen the remote to the television? Oh, it must be the famous magician, Paul Daniels, who died last week. And why is there a rabbit in my hat? How did that happen? Where's the bottom half of my body? (laughs) That could work. (laughs) That's going to make going onto the dating site difficult. Wow. Uh, Surely playing cards would appear, wouldn't it? That yeah, would be I went okay. to the bathroom and suddenly a juice appeared. Uh, Ruth was doubtful. That didn't go down well, did it? About like the giraffe. It couldn't go down. There was a giraffe in the way. <laughs> Things you never thought you'd say live on the radio. That juice won't go down because there was a giraffe in the way. Do you know it's great, isn't it, when a sentence is uttered live that you know in the entire history of mankind has never been uttered before and will probably be never uttered ever again. I love it. I think we should... Have T-shirts made up. Uh, Yes. And post them to people to sniff. Oh, no. No. What would you like to do? I think we should have our, what would you call them, fans? (laughs) (laughs) Let's say followers and leave it at that. There's a lot of sick people out there. Come out with... Funny quotes that they like to verse. That was a sweet shadow. Sweet shadow. We don't do orbs. We don't do orbs. If you make Scott scream, you're in the team. Yes. All of these are fun and fabulous things. I think so. I need a squirrel sniffing t-shirt. Scratch and sniff. Smells a bit nutty, Austin. (laughs) The host then took calls from viewers who claimed to have been contacted by relatives that have passed away. Ruth was doubtful that it was actually a message calling it a coincidence. But while they were discussing the news story, a light flickered in the ITV studio. Something happened then. A light flashed. I'm not sure what that was, Ben said. Spooky or just a coincidence. It was later blamed on an old light bulb in the studio. When light bulbs die, where do their spirits go to? Is there a, like, a large Las Vegas moor up in the sky that dead light bulbs go towards? Hmm. It's a suggestion. The home of the carefully controlled landing, of course. Oh. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre? Newton's Philosopher's Stone recipe found. Have you ever heard of a Philosopher's Stone? Yes. Harry Potter. It's Harry Potty. 
No, it's yes, Harry it is. Potter. The Philosopher's Stone, I believe mm-hmm. this exists. And- a 17th century alchemy manuscript written by Sir Isaac Newton has been found in a private collection. The world-famous physicist whose laws of motion and gravitation would go on to dominate our understanding of the physical universe for several centuries is also known to have written down extensive notes on the subject of alchemy, the precursor of modern chemistry. At the time, alchemists believed that it was possible to break down metals into their constituent parts and transmute them into more valuable ones, such as gold and silver. Now one of Newton's original alchemical manuscripts, one detailing a recipe needed to create a magical philosopher's stone, something that was once believed to hold the key to immortality, has turned up at an auction at Bonhams in Pasadena after being buried in a private collection for years. The handwritten recipe, which details how to produce philosophic mercury, was originally written by George Starkey, an American alchemist who moved to England in 1650. This manuscript links Newton's alchemical practice to the American figure George Starkey, said rare book curator James Vocal. He's probably America's first renowned published scientist. Newton's notes, which sold at auction to the Chemical Heritage Foundation in Philadelphia, are now set to be published online to make them available for further study and analysis. The art of turning base metals into gold. That's what we do every week in here, isn't it? We're turning base metals into gold it's alchemy mm-hmm. i tell you i have a story here in the strange of the bizarre kim i shall give you points you're now on a resplendent six alton towers opened its world's first virtual reality roller coaster called galactica isn't every roller coaster virtual reality oh I mean, it's not pretend is it it's actually happening you're going up and down on the roller coaster mm-hmm. i find that bizarre the theme park says it's the first fully dedicated virtual reality ride to link fully immersive graphics displayed on headsets with physical twists and turns so this is like taping your psp to your head and getting your mother to take you to the mall it's the same effect you're saving <laughs> your money with your mom in the car <laughs> yes <laughs> we actually video we videoed my mom <laughs> failing her 12th driving test and the underwater <laughs> shots were incredible <laughs> The ride takes thrill-seekers on a 189-second journey from a space station looking down at the Earth below and through an asteroid belt into an alien world. It takes 189 seconds, this journey, but you know you've queued up for two hours to get Absolutely. It, right? Visitors also ride in a prone position, along with the 2,760-foot track to recreate the feeling of flying. Or you could just go flying. (laughs) Riders reported long queues for the ride today, but were almost unanimous in their positive reviews of the new attraction. Richard Alexander said Galactica is actually beyond amazing. So good. 10 out of 10. Claire Lancaster added Galactica was the best ride ever. She's used to being on Farmers.com, so has a limited knowledge of such things. (laughs) Theme park owners Merlin Entertainments are hoping the ride will transform the fortunes of the Staffordshire venue. Alton Towers suffered a damaging year after people were left with life-changing or serious injuries following a crash on the smiling roller coaster. Alton Tower bosses later admitted that the crash was the result of human error. Yes, the victim's bodies got in the way of the crash, causing amputations. Parts of the theme park were temporarily closed after the crash as they gathered up the limbs and revenues fell by 11 percent last year this is true there was a terrible crash on a roller coaster in alton towers and people lost arms and legs very tragic heather what have you got for me in the final story of the night in the round of the strange and the bizarre something that could bring down that smell dating thing this could now bring down your story so all those points you gained 
for sniffing giraffes and flushing them down toilets I could now be... I, I didn't know I You're on minus them. nine. It's almost a play for. <laughs> well, I have self-cleaning clothes could soon be available. Self-cleaning clothes. As you walk, they clean themselves. Maybe. Yeah. Researchers are developing clothes that can be cleaned simply by exposing them to a light source. The idea of clothes that That'll never... That'll be no good for you. You live in the darkness. I do. That's true. I'll have to keep Your eyes complain my... if there's light coming in. And yeah, you're it like, burns. It burns your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> if we take her outside, we have to stand next to her with a fire blanket. It's terrible. <laughs> this could be very, very terrible for society in general because the pheromones keep you from being attracted to your cousins. Did oh. you know that? I didn't want to be attracted to my cousins. No, I've met your so cousins. So if the clothes are going to be clean, that protection's gone. To be fair, one of your cousins <laughs> does have a nice eye. Oh, <laughs> the idea of clothes that never need to be washed or clean might sound like something out of a science fiction movie. But now, thanks to the efforts of scientists at RMIT University in Australia, this futuristic concept may actually be closer to becoming reality than you might think. Tanya, in Australia, you need to wear self-cleaning clothes. Yeah. We'll keep an eye on that. You can test that for us and tell us how that goes. <laughs> Basically, what we do is take a simple cotton textile. We have a few different new methodologies to grow nanostructures directly on them. They've meant, Basically, they've soiled it, haven't they? And then, They grew nanostructures on them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One's white, one round his bottom, and the other one's got some man juice on it. <laughs> and then once these structures are formed, we can just shine a light on them, said Dr. Rajesh Ramanathan. Yep, that's a very common Australian name, apparently. <laughs> the technology could prove invaluable in hospitals where this unique self-cleaning mechanism could help to prevent the spread of infections, especially superbugs. In fields like biology or antibacterial textiles, one of the problems that the entire world is facing is superbugs. It's very difficult to kill them or get rid of them, said Dr. Ramanathan. Yep. <laughs> Lovely. Perfect. <laughs> Typical Bruce. Is his name Bruce? Yeah, I think Perfect. so. So one of the potential aspects of this material is that we have started testing it on superbugs, and it's showing amazing results. That'd be great, wouldn't it? The trouble is, if you wanted clean underwear, you'd have to go out in it, wouldn't you, in the sunlight? So yeah. you could walk around just in your bra and knickers, pretend you're having your blood pressure taken at Walmart and get your clothes <laughs> clean. Everybody's happy. We are now moving into the last round of the evening that is called Not For Your Mother. It's called Not For Your Mother because if your mother is of a nervous disposition, you need to remove her from the room right now. If there's any small minors, they also need to be chaperoned outside. This is the round where we look at the news stories from around the world this week. There were too saucy, too laden with innuendo to read out live on air for fear of being removed or getting a very large fine. Heather, would you like to start tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? I got something that's hotly contested. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Germany versus England. Oh! <laughs> I was very happy this week. Have I, I mentioned to anybody in the room that <sighs> England, yourself. England beat Germany in the soccer? There's no rivalry there, of course. <laughs> it was a friendly. There is no such thing as a friendly <laughs> between England and Germany. We've had two world wars and a couple of World Cups over this. Well, it said your rivals might have had the upper hand on the pitch, but not when it comes to the old sex. What, the Germans are better at sex than the British? Is this what you're Apparently, saying? Apparently, yeah. And this is a survey that was done in Berlin, was it? <laughs> <laughs> England and Germany went head to head on the football pitch. Oh, Kim's laughing. <laughs> it's a bit pitch, early yeah. in the night for that. <laughs> 
But it seems the home nation has the Europeans licked when it comes to the bedroom antics. The Europeans have what Americans licked? No, Germans. You wish. (laughs) (laughs) Dear. This is terrible. It's going nowhere, isn't it? That's what I thought 10 minutes ago, but we're still carrying on. (laughs) Almost a quarter of all English couples have reported being 100% satisfied with their sex life. This is why my mother is snoring distantly (laughs) from the room next door. 10% of Germans. So you got them beat there. Fantastic. What? Snoring? Yeah. Uh, In fact, more German respondents than English ones also admitted being unsatisfied with their intimate liaisons. I dated a German girl for two years. I lived in Cologne. So which one was more satisfied? (laughs) She was very hairy. Oh. Just saying. A hefty fifth or 21% compared with 9% of Brits were unsatisfied with their liaisons. Liaisons. Do you think the French have a word for liaisons? No. No. These revealing sex stats come when Berlin's Olympic Stadium pitch is set for one of the world's football greatest rivalries. So what was Berlin's Olympic Stadium famous for? Jesse Jesse James. James. Wow, I didn't think you'd know that. That's remarkable. (laughs) It's amazing. Unbelievable. What you get fed under the table. The results were compiled. (laughs) Was it a German sausage by any chance? I've got my hands in my pocket, so I'm claiming ignorance. (laughs) The results were compiled from 35,000 individuals coming from 30 countries aged between 21 and 55 as part of a global survey conducted by Swedish sex toy brand Lilo. So it was a Swedish survey? Yes, with the Germans and the English. So, yeah, it should be neutral. neutral. No, that's... (laughs) You're getting Sweden muddled up with Switzerland there, sweetheart. But where England have the edge in terms of satisfaction, Germans are a little more honest between the sheets. Faking orgasms is something a relatively low 39% of them admitted to compared to almost half the English respondents at 47. So you faked a few? No, my German girlfriend never did that. (laughs) (laughs) A whopping 51% of Germans said they operated at an advanced skill level under the duvet compared to just 36% of England. What characteristics (laughs) is an advanced skill? Are they good at gymnastics? I have no idea. The Heimlich, the hind lick maneuver. Oh no! Oh no! If you're choking and you get the hind lick maneuver, that's coming out, isn't it? You're no longer going to be choking, are you? Well, anyway, meanwhile, less than half the population of England rank themselves as moderate or above in terms of X-rated prowess. We're just very modest. We're self-depreciating in, oh, in, in Britain, it, huh? aren't we? Yeah. What you're getting is the characteristics of each country, aren't you? Oh, well, when it comes to the average length of a sex session in minutes, England and Germany boast similar statistics. Around a quarter of those from each nation say they last... Anywhere from 10 to 19 minutes. Gee, what, twice in a cigarette break? <laughs> It'd be terrible if my German girlfriend at the time was like nine minutes. Did, yeah. She finished nine minutes ago, but I'm still going. <laughs> She's well, getting out of the stalls and I'm galloping past the finishing line. Well, close to half enjoy sessions lasting between 20 and 45 minutes. Wow. Oh, wow. my. And the two sides are also neck and neck when it comes in terms of sex toys owned. 38% of those from England and 40 from Germany. 40. 
40 from Germany. Yes. There we go. Fabulous statistics. I know. It's a shame nice? the points don't matter in this round, isn't it? <laughs> <sighs> I have a story that says more and more British women are reportedly under threat from peeping toms using drones to spy on them. The illegal use of technology technology that's terrible it's, it wasn't a joke i just can't say it the illegal use of technology has increased tenfold in just three years and apparently they're being used for seedy purposes you use drones for seedy purposes don't you greg yep looking at your seeds <laughs> it's true he's a farmer and those who are captured in various states of undress are then facing the humiliation of having their image shared online or on porn sites you could be getting undressed in a block of flats in an apartment and there's a drone 12 stories up looking through your window or you could flash a drone right kim flash a drone maybe <laughs> <laughs> i do recall last summer do we want to say this live on air? The footage is available. It's on YouTube. Greg was flying one of his drones for farming purposes over his farm. And Kim was in the yard and some flesh was bared, I believe. The shock news comes following a freedom of information request, which reveals that voyeur clips are all over the internet and those who appear on them may not even know it those who spot drones have made complaints which are on the increase avon and somerset constabulary received five such reports in 2013 but from january to september 2015 the figure increased to 49 percent recently a drone has caused controversy for colliding with the flying scotsman train while a boeing 777 over heathrow had another near miss you can't even go for a pee on an aeroplane without a drone looking through the window do you remember the uh, famous episode of the twilight zone where william shatner's on the plane and that face suddenly looks through the window no imagine that what do you mean no this is classic america is anyone around this table actually aware of american culture and history other than me no you're not one who remembers that <laughs> i do <laughs> imagine you sat there using the facilities on the aeroplane looking to create some blue ice and suddenly there's a face at the window I wouldn't I think be able I've to go. I've watched every one of those episodes at least twice. I can't go when someone's watching me. I'm just saying, this is where we are. The use of drones is regulated by the Civil Aviation Authority, which states when you fly a drone in the UK, it is your responsibility to be aware of the rules that are in place to keep everyone safe. Make sure you can see your drone at all times and don't fly higher than 400 feet. Always keep your drone away from aircraft, helicopters, airports, and women going to the bathroom. Drones fitted with cameras... I made that last bit up. Drones fitted with cameras must not be flown within 50 metres of people vehicles buildings or structures or in over congested areas or large gatherings such as concerts and sporting events in britain you are never away from buildings or 50 meters away from someone it's a small little island that's severely overpopulated if you want to see my mother snoring distantly from the room next door there's now a youtube site apparently because a drone has been looking through the window she has her own website called mother tucked in dot com <laughs> kim what have you got for me tonight in the round of not for your mother a romantic date goes horribly wrong when the woman ends up with her own poop in her handbag you know that's a <laughs> you know that's a bad at least it's her own handbag and not someone else's that's a really crappy date <laughs> oh. <laughs> bong 
What was that? Bong. It's a distant <laughs> bell with tumbleweed, but I can't do the sound of tumbleweed. If anyone wants to jump in and do the sound of tumbleweed, be my guest. <laughs> I'll show you the motion. Old MacDonald had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. And on that farm, he had Funny a... you should mention old MacDonald. <laughs> he had a rabbit with a... And a... Here-a, there-a, everywhere-a. Funny you should mention rabbit. Old MacDonald had a rabbit. Rabbit. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's not start that game. <laughs> Do continue, Kimberly. For most people, the idea of a bad date is probably having spinach in your teeth, accidentally snorting when you laugh, or the person you're meeting having some deep, dark secret that puts you off. But one woman's cautionary tale shows that a bit of spinach isn't really such a bad thing after she ended up with her own feces in her handbag. <laughs> oh, didn't think that was coming out. She took to Twitter to share the horrendous story of how a date with a man she met in a grocery store turned sour when his toilet wouldn't flush. Oh, no. This is like Dumb and Dumber, isn't it? it? This is where we're going. Okay. It basically speaks for itself, so you can read her version of the events. She launches, launches into the point quite quickly. I have a story to tell. It's about my poop. So yesterday I went on a date with a man who asked me out in the grocery store the other day. Did he ask her out in the chocolate aisle? (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Clean all, up in aisle two. All was going well. I went back to his place. I am a confident, calm, and self-assured woman, so I felt comfortable pooping in his bathroom. This was a mistake. There was a drone at the window. His toilet did not flush oh. properly. So, of course, like any calm, confident, self-assured woman, I panicked and flushed it a million times, making everything worse. That's really bad if it doesn't go down when you flush. Especially if there's a giraffe in there that's already wedged it. <laughs> She's lucky it didn't overflow. Yeah, that'd have been terrible if it had crept out under the door, wouldn't it? you would have put a flag in it and called it an island. <laughs> <laughs> she continues, by this point I was really frantic because I had been in there for too long. There was only one single piece of poop. So in that moment, something came over me, and I knew exactly what I had to do. Push it down the shower with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't often poop in the shower, but when I do, I push it down with a stick. Oh. I can't say I've got anything to back that up. I just thought that would be funny. She says, I got toilet paper and removed the one poop from the toilet. What now? She had a nugget. Throw it out the window. Once that was done, I realized I didn't have a plan. What do I do? I can't leave it there. By this point, I was really freaking out because I had definitely been in there too long. So again, making another horrible decision, I did the only thing I could think to do. I wrapped it in multiple layers of toilet paper and put it in my purse. Then it got a bit awkward. Squishy. All right, so now what? We are sitting there on his couch and kissing, and all I can think of is this piece of poop in my purse. (laughs) Him, he says, you're so beautiful. The moment you smiled at me, you had me. I didn't even know you defecated in your handbag. Now, it's a little worrying that they're in his apartment. Yeah. She's crapped in her bag. She met him at Walmart. Yeah, she's crapped in her bag. Yeah. Right? Now they're on the couch. They're on the couch. They're making out. He doesn't notice the smell in his apartment. She wrapped it up very well, though, in teepee, apparently. But it should still be there. I'm thinking his apartment was stinky anyway. I didn't think women smell. I just thought they smelled of roses and lilacs. They puff. They little puffs of lilac. Mm -hmm. Yes. I didn't think they did such things. It smells of roses. Uh, But yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when he told her that she was so beautiful. You're beautiful. She she responded with, that's really sweet. But in her head, she was thinking. I've just shut my handbag. Yeah, (laughs) I have a piece of my poo in my purse. 
She then turned to her sister for advice. Well, she was sat there as well. So she's making out her turds in her bag. And, and her sister's texting. next to her. her sister's next to her. <laughs> Messaging her sister, she said, I have a piece of poop in my purse and I'm afraid it's going to smell or fall out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and my bro- brother's going to stop kissing me. <laughs> Clearly sensing the urgency of her situation, her sister replied in all capital letters, You need to do something. Go outside. Pretend to smoke. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's terrible. But that the, would be holy but, shit. Oops. Oh, you, can't, <laughs> you can't say that live on air. We'll be taken off. You can say everything you want, but the moment you bring Christ into it, we're in trouble. <laughs> she says, but there was a glimmer of hope. So after a few hours, he used the washroom and I heard it flush. I figured he fixed it. Maybe not, but I have to take the chance. I have to try to flush the poop. So I brought my purse up to the washroom, unwrapped the poop, prayed to every God I know, put it in and flushed. Did it work? By the grace of God, it worked. The poop flushed. I was free. I was in the clear. Everything was going to be okay. I survived. I am a survivor. Wow, that was you, wasn't it, Kim? No. This is you. This is your first date. <laughs> Heather, you have to follow that. This I is do. a story about Dairy Queen, isn't it? No, it's a story from Wisconsin. Yay! Wisconsin! Strip club dancer from Milwaukee arrested after biting man's crotch. I hope Scott's doing better soon. Oh, no. <laughs> she bit the first two inches. Maybe the uh, nurse's name will be Dee Dee. Oh, no. No, that was her bra size. Uh, a Rock County strip club dancer is accused of biting a patron in the crotch, according to a Rock County Sheriff's Office report obtained by the Janesville Gazette. I want saying to take away the pain, but keep the swelling. The 29-year-old Milwaukee woman, Mashikoa, she must have White. just called it with her tooth. <laughs> oh, was arrested on suspicion of battery after the incident reported early Thursday morning at Diamond Gyms in the town of Rock. I want to go to Diamond Gyms. Greg, get in the car. We're going to Diamond Gyms. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take clean shirts with us, not like the glitter we had before. I think she was just trying to numb the area. Num, 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 num. And that's what you're going with, is it? Okay. I guess. I don't know. According to the report, a customer told a deputy he had paid the woman to do her thing. She put her head in his crotch and moved her head around before biting him, according to the report. Her teeth came out. Oh, no. The deputy who took the call interviewed the dancer, but she was too intoxicated to cooperate. Go figure. The Gazette- Surely you lose all rhythm when you're intoxicated. If I don't think he, pour- was, he wasn't concerned with any part of the rhythm. Okay. I was thinking, pour some sugar on me was playing. She was gyrating. I'm thinking, wow, she's keeping the beat. That's ace. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> it's the detail, isn't it, with these things? Oh, that I think the song was actually Love Bites. Oh! <laughs> We're on fire, ladies and gentlemen. Another one bites the dust. Oh, there we go. The Gazette reported that the deputy reviewed security footage that supported the man's story and arrested the dancer. 
All done. All done. <laughs> well, all good things come to an end. So let us look at tonight's scores. In last place with the K2 meter and the dead battery, despite what Cynthia says, is Heather, who scored a resplendent <laughs> minus nine. I tried. I think Cynthia got picked on tonight. <laughs> Greg, well, she's not getting any points either. Greg is on two. I am on five. But in first place with a $33,000 IR camera is Kim, who scored a fabulously rounded six. Do not feel listener remember we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time and i would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal strange intriguing bizarre and weird please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my facebook site more questions and answers with adrian lee you can also join my twitter account at adrian underscore lee underscore tips and remember we do an extra 20 to 25 minutes now when the show is finished in a round called not for your mother that can't be read out live on air for fear of getting a fine or being removed if you go to our soundcloud site soundcloud.com and search for mqta radio my gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to lorna hunter nathan bush heather morris it's andrena kim mcgregor and all at the international paranormal society in paranormal.net and all of our show sponsors including the lakes area paranormal interest group and mufon of minnesota it just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember be interested and interesting. Good night.